outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Is that a little Anakin over there? Hey, is that odd too? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 3PO, is that a modification or are you just happy to see me? Hey, is that a lightsaber? Are you happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that a power converter? Are you happy to see me? Hey, are you at the Tashi station? Are you just happy to see me? can't breathe. And now we are live. It's another smooth one from the podcast from outer space. Coming to you live from San Diego, it's the podcast from outer space with Adam Narlock. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Ryan Scott. Greetings. And your boy Rob Scott, as usual. And tonight we're covering episodes one through three of the Star Wars saga. Yes, uh, Legion of Listeners, this is episode 12, as Rob said. So in our last episode... Uh, we looked at the original trilogy, its success, and Lucas's inspiration, and the process of making such a cinematic masterpiece. Now, in this episode, we will look at the prequel trilogy and how these films have become the most disputed and controversial films among the Star Wars fan base, and discuss our favorite parts uh, and how the films relate to the original trilogy in an extremely intricate way and we will discuss the big picture of the Star Wars saga and ultimate meaning so to speak. A lot of the research from this one comes from the prequel Strike Back which is a doc, uh, 2016 documentary uh, pretty pretty interesting if uh, you you feel like you want to uh, learn more about the prequels take a take a gander um star wars ring theory by mike Klimo, the star wars heresies by paul f mcdonald and a lot of the making of documentaries on the digital movie collection so boys what are our thoughts on uh the prequels as a whole episodes one through three quite frankly they're my favorite can't deal with you so you your favorite episodes you would say you like the prequel trilogy more than the original i'm gonna get shit on for this but yes now that's gonna be very controversial how about you rob i mean overall i like them but i gotta stick with the ogs on this my man okay so favorites of one one two and three three one and three one and three i'm going three three just three yeah how can you get any better than Jar Jar Binks and Pod Racing Boys? You're right. You know, if uh, if the Last Jedi doesn't have that, in it, it's going to be mediocre at best. <laughs> Very excited to see that tomorrow morning with you guys. Oh, fuck if you yeah. happen yep. to be down at the theater, be sure to say hi to us. We've got our tickets, and we'll be covering that on next episode. So, you got someone? Have you guys ever met anybody that's never seen a single Star Wars? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're horrible people. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where would you start? With someone who's never seen a single film, would you say watch Phantom first or A New Hope? It's tough because, you know, you want to go in chronological order, yep, but yep. that's not how we were brought into it. So I feel like you got to go Four the OGs six. first. Yeah. Is that your thoughts as well? Ah, yeah. Just same. Like I, my kids are sometimes like, they're just like, oh, we haven't seen Star Wars. And I'm like, man, do I start at one, two, three? Do I start at four, five, six? 
I feel like you got to go four, five, six, because like Rob said, that's how we were introduced to him. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard the argument numerous times for four, five, six first. Also, because the new ones are so, they were made so much later, so they wouldn't appreciate that mm, technology of the yeah. old ones, you know? Yeah, Which, but what if, so if everyone's hating on one through three, or not everyone, but a lot of people out there are, um, if you showed people, like someone that hasn't seen them all, one, one through, through three, three first, first, then maybe they like it a little bit better, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, maybe, arguably. I think we'll get it. We'll get into that a lot later in our why were these episodes so hated spiel. Of course we will. Now, I would say... And why wouldn't we? I was a big proponent uh, before doing a lot of this research of showing one through three first and then four, five, six. But, you know, as I did this, I think the opposite. It flipped me. I would do four, five, six, and then one through three. Before we start this, we just got to ask, you know, like... These these films are renownedly hated amongst the Star Wars community. Hated. Why were these films so hated amongst fans? Like, what are a couple reasons you guys can think of? Jar Jar Binks, for one. People people hate the Binks. I think, and I'm just saying this, I think the kids like him, but, you know, those real diehard, like, obsessed people just yeah. hate it because they grew up with that shit, and it's just kind of, they look at it as... It's like someone's trying to flip the script and add in all this stuff that wasn't originally there and it's pissing them off. But I'll get into my whole spiel about that later on. Okay. okay. I mean, seriously, besides sex, what's something that's better the second time around? Nothing. Um, Everybody likes originals better. I've had a lot of things better the second time around. Like what? Well, like sometimes you go to McDonald's and the fries are. (laughs) 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 McDonald's, dude, this guy. Uh, the fries aren't like fried to perfection, but then you go a second time and you know, they're, they're better. I mean, well, you guys just saw the new Blade Runner. Was that better than the original or apples and oranges? Or? Well, it wasn't, it's a sequel, so it's not, well, this is a prequel. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, so it's not, uh, yeah, it's different than saying a remake, you know, having something the second time around would be more like a remake than a prequel. That's true. But I'm just saying like, nobody likes it when you touch the original, not anything. But he wasn't touching the original. Oh, well, he did They're in prequels. 1997. Oh, and we're going to talk about Oh, this. yes, yes. We will talk about that because that is one thing. Now, <laughs> but the prequels, though, you can't chalk that up to that because they're not touching. They're not. I mean, yeah, they are rooted in the originals, but it's not the original. No, my point is, if I say to you Star Wars and you were born in the 70s or 80s, you have one depiction of Star Wars. If you're born in 2000, late 90s, you your perception of, of Star Wars might be a little different. If you were born now, you know, 20, you know, yeah, 2010. With the new pre- ones, yeah, with the sequels. Yeah, your whole perception. And, and, like, I hate the new ones. Okay, yeah, I, see? See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that theory later as well. So a couple things, I think, that go into this along with everything we just said. Age of the Internet, you mm. know? Uh, like, in the 70s, those were just as... I mean, a lot of critics slammed those films, but there was no internet. There was no... Nowadays, anybody can be a critic. No fucking When those came on, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could get on fuck the internet. You could just say, again. you know, fuck this. And just like we say, why we shit on Rotten Tomatoes so much is because it makes people go in with preconceived notions. So I think a lot of that hate... And, you know, it just starts with one person. That's it's, it. You know, it's like Smokey the Bear. It starts with one match. And <laughs> that, that fucking multiplies, and people are going to go in thinking, you know, oh, I read I read on this 
blog post fucking java the hut tatooine fucking nerf herder dot com dot blogspot that ryan reynolds spoils it all yeah. yeah you know we got the whole age of the internet what the fuck is the internet <laughs> and, uh, i think it's deeper than that though man uh, well a little bit i'm saying that's part of it also you know the prequels came out right around turn of the century maybe uh, yeah in different time periods you know uh you know talk about like the generational gap uh in one of the documentaries the people first george lucas that we watched in preparation for this uh kevin smith mentions you know i mean he was 29 when episode one came out how we like we were kids so he's saying you know their generation was just the loudest voice like the kids that grew up with the originals were the ones posting about how they hated this the prequels on the internet like we were kids we weren't we weren't concerned about posting shit on the internet we were making lightsabers and fucking painting our face like darth maul oh yes <laughs> you know well see i think it's just that so like our generation our dad showed us the original star wars and we were like this is so badass and then like a couple years later those came out and we we're like oh yeah more star wars like yeah, we didn't have yeah, the mentality yeah. of like oh i grew up as a kid watching see, this and what, expecting yeah. it to be like i think well, the, you didn't have the year yeah, gap those people were just like ex- expecting it to just be just like that star wars was and i think just because of the age factor and the fact that he kind of made it a little bit more geared towards kids than the originals were. I think that's what kind of set people off. Yeah. But you know, even like, I mean, George Lucas himself, he even claimed in an, in a 77 interview in American film magazine, he said in regards to a new hope, I wanted to do a kid's movie, go the Disney route. And that's a fucking quote, which he certainly did in 2012. He went to Disney. He really did. (laughs) So, you know, they were always for kids. They were always geared towards kids. Now, I think he did. Episode one was definitely the most childish of all of Star Wars, which we'll get into why in our closing theory. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's all those things rolled into one. And, you know, it depends on largely like how you're exposed just like you said i mean our dads like how old was your dad can we just clarify when we say our dads we, is we don't have two dads it's two gay dads y- yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our you dads. have a mother and a father i have a mother and a father now you weren't born of midi chlorians of the force i i was raised by wolves actually. <laughs> oh so did they find you in the jungle? what year was old dennis born in old 69. dennis 69 he would be right <laughs> oh damn so he Ooh. what how does he feel about the prequel so that handle that he, he uses on yahoo isn't just a clever name <laughs> that's actually the year he's born wordplay he he loves anything star wars okay. that's the thing so anything see, yeah. star wars that's what sells so our dad born in 59 but you know so he was 18 when the originals came out sure eight yeah so, you know, he was, he wasn't a child, but he saw it, realized, Hey, this is fucking badass. You know, he got what George Lucas was doing and then he showed it to us. And then when the prequels came out, he took us to see him and he, so he saw him with kids, you know, he got it. So it's like, it depends on how you're exposed to it. I think a lot of the kids that bashed it on the internet and were like, you know, were Kevin really Smith, Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Kevin Smith, they were kids when the originals came out and now they're older, but 
not old enough to have kids to enjoy it with. Nerds still living in yeah. their mom's basement. You know, you know these are fucking of, nerds nine times. eating Cheetos, fucking typing shit on the internet. A couple of scruffy nerfers. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's all that goes into it. You know, the kids grew up. Perhaps Star Wars didn't. Ah. You know? Hey. So, you know, when was the first? Obviously, we were all kids when the prequels came out. We loved them. Yeah. When was the first time you you started to realize, hey, like these are so hated amongst fans. Like these are revered as some of the worst movies ever amongst fans. Like they hate them. Like I still have a hard time accepting it, but I think and there was a point in The Simpsons where they made fun of it, and I was like, oh shit, man! Like The Simpsons is making fun of something. Yeah. And how old were you? I couldn't tell you. Rob, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was probably around the time that I was getting into high school is when I realized that because so when they the first time you were like spending more time on the internet and stuff. Well, mm. not just that, but it's like oh, when I saw th- <laughs> when I saw them with all those floppy disks, you know, he wasn't throwing <laughs> corn in that. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw them as a kid, that was shit was so badass to me and like I didn't have any qualms with it. But then like look like literally this past week doing research for it. I could barely sit through episode two, man. That shit kind of sucks. I mean, no disrespect, but like co- when you compare it alongside with all the other ones and especially with force awakens, well, which I know Adam okay. hates, but I like that one now. See, I exact opposite when I was doing research for this, honestly, like three, definitely my favorite, but I was like, you know, two's actually got a lot of crazy shit in here that I just didn't realize. And I was like, this one's pretty fucking badass. I mean, yeah, the fucking scene where like they're going through the manufa- the droid manufacturing plant is like pretty cheesy, you know? Played out. Like there yeah, there's definitely cheesy scenes, but uh, at the end of the day, like the whole idea of Star Wars is all a little cheesy, you know? It's a space opera. It's not something, you know, to be taken so seriously. Sure, sure. But I think because of when Lucas was writing the originals and then would go on to write the the prequels like he took from so much mythology and human nature that he really understood what people are drawn to, which is why, it, yeah, it's cheesy, but it developed such a following and such a diehard fan base that it would eventually turn against it, as we'll find out. I think, too, uh, and that was the joke in The Simpsons, too, is like they're making fun of Attack of the Clones because it's like all the boring bullshit to set up the zoom zoom oh like that's the joke man look at empire dude like don't get me wrong empire is great i'm not bashing it but there there was a lot that happened in that movie to set up return so it could be more action based if yeah you will. and we'll get into that in the outline <laughs> and you look at attack of the clones there's a lot that happens in that movie to set up everything else in the franchise and from what i understand from the trailers i've seen and the bare minimum that i've read online about the last jedi there's a lot that happens there's yeah i've heard so different director well actually we're not going to talk about any of the new ones okay. that's the next episode Awful. we'll save it we'll save it so well, now we're gonna go brief oh, what oh what? what's that <laughs> see now now i just feel like i'm being one of these fucking assholes from that documentary i was watching it earlier this week and the things that like i couldn't stand were like the little you remember when you used to have to make powerpoints and you could choose how they transition into the next slide like when yeah. you first discovered iMovie too but yeah. that though the wipes <laughs> yeah that the they transition. do that shit like multiple times in 2 and 3 yeah and that's also in all the originals too wipes yeah like but that. it's just like a wipe it like there was one where it was literally six boxes flipping to the next scene 
And I was like, George Lucas, why are you using fucking PowerPoint? Yeah, for but this think transition? about when those came out, dude. Early 2000s. Yeah. Like, this was the I mean, that hype, was man. like, yeah, that was hype as fuck. And that's why I'm saying, no disrespect, there's like a lot of badass CGI f- scenes in there. There's a lot of cool lightsaber fights. It, it's action packed, but at the same time, there's some cheesy shit in there. Acting in particular. Okay, okay. So now we're going to go briefly through each of the prequels. Uh, we'll talk about our favorite parts. And after we're going to discuss a theory that proves Lucas was still a man ahead of his time. And he did something with these that was never attempted and has not been done since in cinematic history. But which would lead him to eventually selling off the franchise to Disney in 2012. And we pose the question, can we really blame Lucas? So episode one, Phantom Menace, 16 years after the release of Return of the Jedi, uh, highly anticipated episode one, Phantom Menace hit theaters in May of 99. Now I would say this is probably one of the most highly anticipated films ever to be released which I think uh, plays a big role in, in why it became so hated, right? I mean, like, do you guys know of a film that was more hyped than episode one? Episode six and seven? Six. I mean, seven and eight, so. <laughs> do you think they were more hyped? Uh, dude, everyone's getting pretty hyped about Last Jedi. I put then at the same time, it's like I was a kid, so yeah, I didn't so have you all think the same shit bigger, going on. Yeah. So like when I heard that the new Star Wars was coming out, that was like all I was thinking about, but I didn't have like a job. Yo, that's my thing, man. Like this was before we're thinking about skateboarding and jerking off. Like my <laughs> my world was like, okay, I'm going to come home and play with my <coughs> Star Wars action yeah. figures, man. There's these three great movies. These are life. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, here's some more. Here's some more Star Wars. And you're like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So according to uh, government data analyzed by Challenger Gray and Christmas, an outplacement firm, they estimated that 2.2 million full-time employees would skip work to see the movie on opening day. Phantom? Yeah. Mm. And in a Wall Street Journal article, so many employees took time off to go see the premiere that uh, many offices closed down for May 19th (laughs) that year. You know, some people waited in lines for months to buy tickets. Uh, Scalpers sold tickets for a hundred bucks a pop. uh, Some as much as 500 bucks. And uh, with a budget of 115 million, Phantom made 1 billion in its box office run. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like where, like, do you guys remember when Phantom came out? I was eight. What, Rob, you were 11, Adam, you were 10. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. Taco Bell had like a promotion. They had like little pogs you could collect. I just remember seeing Darth Maul's head on the side of a cup and I was like, I don't know who this dude is, but like. Was it just Taco Bell? I I feel like McDonald's McDonald's did something. I remember I got the fucking, you know, the little manta ray ship. Yeah. You know, the little manta ray ship that they leave um, the Gungans layer in. I got, I remember I got that twice. I was so fucking pissed off, but yeah, um, this guy in McDonald's, that's what I'm saying. I didn't go to McDonald's enough apparently, but I just remember like seeing that guy in the cup. Like I kept that cup and like did everything with it. And I was just like, man, I really hope my folks take me to see this movie. My folks. And one day they did. So what were our thoughts on, on seeing it as a child? Total mind blow. Yeah, dude. I mean, honestly, when I saw all those movies together when I was younger, I thought they were all pretty badass. Yeah. 
badass, right? I mean, favorite parts of Phantom specifically. What do we got? Pod race for sure. Pod race when a yeah, kid. I remember mean, I the '64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got it. <laughs> yeah, still got it. Great. Which, I'm still a still a good game. Classic. I'll fucking play that game any day. All right. Which fun fact? While we're talking about it. Did you guys know that uh, Anakin's pod racer was actually crafted from a Maz- old Maserati? Pretty d- cool. Now, I think I did read something about that in my research for this. I did not realize that. Did you realize that? It was um, it was Lucas going back to his roots. You know, he was a fucking NASCAR fan. He was a big fucking racing Carner. fan. Yeah. Um, a couple of the themes in Menace. We got... The innocence of menace, which definitely makes it stand out from all of the rest of, of mm-hmm. any of, of the trilogies. Um, and I think this is an integral part. You know, we need this to set up the story of Anakin's downfall. The man behind the mask. Yeah. And this is also the only Star Wars that's f- focused around like its main character is a child. Who was also in Jingle All the Way. Yes. Also, probably... I I would say definitely the most like child friendly movie of the whole whole series. I think so. Now that you say that, like going back, like I guess it depends on who I was showing, like determining the order. Like if I was showing kids, maybe I would show them one for you know. True, true. I got to consider your audience. I always got to consider it. Yeah. So you know, other themes include uh, balance, uh, not just with the force, but life forms in general, and uh, greed. So you know, we've got the course of the film. Uh, we've got like the opening crawl describing the greedy trade federation. Uh, and you know, Darcidius exploits this, um, to get Senator Palpatine, his alter ego elected as Supreme chancellor, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn uses Watto's greed. Uh, you know, his quote is greed can be a powerful ally. Um, and you know, we've got Anakin who I think, uh, you know, his mother says he knows nothing of greed. And um, Yoda's observation in Anakin is that he's afraid to lose his mother. And this foreshadows the emotional greed um, that will mm. eventually lead to his fall from grace. You know, another fucking badass part we got to talk about is <laughs> that lightsaber duel. Darth Maul. Now you say, so of one, two, three, four, five, six, who's got the most badass lightsaber? Darth Maul. And he did not die in that pit. No, he did not. Darth Maul did not die in that pit. A little fact that some people might not know. Go back and uh, pick up some knowledge on Darth Maul's history. <laughs> now, I think Darth Maul, I think uh, George killed him off too soon. Oh, I agree. You know, I think he could have been. He was definitely the most fucking badass character in the original, in the prequel trilogy. Like, honestly, going back to the hype thing, if I had not seen Darth Maul inside of the cup, I would have been like, oh, sick, they're making a new Star Wars still. But I'm telling you, like, Darth Maul pre-Insidious days, like, haunted my nightmares. Like, I wanted to go see this movie to see who the fuck this yeah. red and black And not only that, but you saw the double-bladed lightsaber yep. Yep. In, in, that in the trailer. trailer. Yep. Yes. So you knew, like, <laughs> this guy ain't fucking around. Right, dude. No, nothing like that had ever been seen before in Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, another... Now, are you in agreement with that? Darth Maul has the most badass? In one, two, three, four, five, and six? In all of them, obviously. All of yeah. them. No, I'd, I'd still go with uh, Luke, Luke from Return of the Jedi. This is my <laughs> favorite one. I mean, Darth Maul is definitely bad at, most badass of the Sith blades, I'd say. <laughs> You know, in doing this research this week, I got to say, I still like Luke's a lot, but my boy Mace Windu. Mace. 
That one's yeah. actually upon further review. Pretty fucking sick. Yeah. And we'll get into uh swinging dick mace a little later. <laughs> so uh swinging dick mace. Another aspect of the reception of these films, I think it, as a whole is like this whole CGI thing. Mm. I mean, yeah, arguably the, these really didn't hold up to the test of time like the originals did. You know, the original effects still hold up. Oh, yeah. Like you can still watch those and be like, you know, that's fucking badass. I mean, yeah, there are scenes where it's clearly green screen, but I mean, CGI has advanced so far now right, that right. I just don't think the prequels held up. That might be their one downfall. But, you know, think about it in context of the time. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, you know, Bosnas, the Gungans, these were like revolutionary at the time. Uh, th- these were like the first fully CGI characters in, in any fucking movie that had seen that much screen time. Right, that's what I'm saying. There's and while we're like touching on that, you think we can get you to do that old Bosnas impression? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what did we think of Jar Jar as a, as a kid? All right, man. So you're going to catch more flack for this. <laughs> we went to Sears after seeing the movie and like my sister got like a Queen Emma doll doll. Like it's kind of like a Barbie doll kind of thing. G.I. Joe kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, like all of my folks were like, would you like one? I think they had like an Anakin, a Qui-Gon, a Jar Jar. I don't even, th- I think they had Darth Maul because my dad got it. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want anything. And then like the next couple of days, I was like, mom, can we please go back? I want to get that Jar Jar Binks <laughs> action figure. Yeah, I mean, I think I had some Jar Jar stuff. Yeah. Like he was funny to kids, yeah. definitely. And, you know, this is probably cinema's most hated character. Uh, arguably, say. yeah. Yeah, like cinema. Now, I don't even think <laughs> arguably. Like who... Who in cinema has been more hated than Jar Jar Binks? <sighs> Who's caught one, more dude. flack in any fucking history of anything that's been put on film than Jar Jar Binks? I think we might have to put a pin in that one and come back to it. You know, that might need to be a poll question. How <laughs> poll that? Know? Who so, do you hate worse than Jar Jar Binks? Do you know? I honestly, st- I mean, like, yeah, he's kind of annoying looking at it now, but when we were younger. At the time, man. I think that was the whole point of him, too. I mean, yeah, I know everyone has their little conspiracy the theories on it. Him. Yeah. So no, no, no. I mean, I'm saying that I think the point was to add in a character that like kids thought was funny. Yeah, it brings a little cartoonish. lighter side to the film, if you will. <laughs> so you know, Jar Jar. Do we know what George Lucas based him off of? Pot smoking Jamaican. Goofy. Really? Yes, he actually cites one of the Disney that. Uh, yeah, there we go, playing back in that Disney role. Was he planning this all along? Yeah, I really think so. So yeah, George Lucas based Jar Jar off of the Disney character Goofy, and Jar Jar. A lot of his scenes play uh, homage to Buster Keaton. Some of the old like black and white silent films, the Energy Ball scene where he like where, is oh, running down the, the hill and they're yeah. Fighting, yeah. yeah. That is from an old Buster Keaton film and um, the droid when it gets like caught on his foot and he's like jumping around Kicking like shooting. shooting all, yeah, that's also Buster Keaton. He has like a he's on a ship and like cannon is tied to his foot and he's like <laughs> ducks and it like shoots this guy going back to CGI. Um, this is a little fun fact I pulled. Um, there were more on location filmings in the prequels than in the originals. Hmm. And there were also more of the uh, miniature models in the prequels than in the original. There's really not that much CGI or green screen. Like a lot of it is models. And I mean, yeah, Jar Jar and like the Gungans are CGI'd, but a lot of it's stop motion. 
or uh, not stop motion, but uh, capture motion, like the guy with the little spandex suits and the ping pong balls all over him. I feel like you would win a lot of bar bets with that knowledge. That, yeah. that does surprise to me, honestly. Yeah. Now, also, this will this will sum it up and uh, bring us into one of our first fan theories. When Anakin's doing his pod race for the bug or whatever. Yeah, we see <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of his friends. Is one of those um, perhaps? A uh, baby, baby Greedo. Let's hear this fan theory. One of the most interesting and fascinating characters in all of Star Wars um, would have to be Greedo um, from the original Star Wars. He was in one scene. Anyways, uh, in episode one, The Phantom Menace, is it possible we see a baby Greedo? <laughs> When Anakin is going to do his, like, race or whatever for the, the for that bug, you can see <laughs> uh, Anakin hanging out with, like, some other babies, and one <laughs> of them looks just like Greedo. I assume it's supposed to be a baby because he's hanging out with Anakin, who is also a baby. And so that makes sense. Anyways, he was uh, – Greedo was still alive um, – when Han Solo killed him and that was like 40 <laughs> years later or whatever and that would make sense because he was a baby in episode 1 and he grew up to be Greedo in Star Wars when Han Solo kills him so it makes sense from that point of view um, does anybody even know how these things age and does anybody <laughs> even know if this kid had a, a name in Star Wars episode 1 The Phantom Menace the answer is no Great theory. Great theory. So um, now we'll get into episode two, Attack of the Clones. Now, would you guys say this is the most lacking of the prequels? I wouldn't say lacking because, I mean, there's still so much that goes on, but it's definitely like a lot more set up, as Adam was saying, than... It's like watching one of the uh, Lord of the Rings movies. There's a lot going on in it. I feel like it's pretty drawn out. Okay. There's, there's a lot only going one on. return and <laughs> okay. end of the king. It's, it's, I, I enjoy it far more than Rob does, though. So, released in May of 2002, uh, this Great was year. actually the first major motion picture to be shot entirely on digital. Really? Yeah. I and, did not uh, realize that. Did you yeah, realize Yeah, did that? you realize this? I did, I did not. not. So, uh, this was revolutionary for the film industry as a whole, and uh, this one had a budget of 115 mil. Just <sighs> no big deal, just 115. Yeah. Same as episode one, but this one made the least of any Star Wars film at the box office when we adjust for inflation, earning $649 million. Oh, wow. I mean, still a success nonetheless. This was also the only one not to come in first in the, uh, at the box office rank for the year it was released. Every single Star Wars film to date is, has come in first at the box office ranks. Um, this one was third behind uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Eesh. Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, which Ooh, was first. Great film, great film. <laughs> so uh, favorite parts in, in Attack of the Clones? What do we got? Mace Windu's Purple Blade. That's the first time we see that. That's true. It's one bad motherfucker. Uh, first time we see Yoda in a lightsaber battle. Yep, yep. I, I love that little guy. Okay, so may I go on one spiel here? Please, please. Let's hear your spiel. Okay. What's your whole spiel? And this goes into um, 
one of your you saying barely watchable you know the whole romance scenes <laughs> so yeah one of the most cringy quote-unquote aspects uh, that many people point out in this film is the romance between Anakin and Padme so if we look at this in terms of Lucas's vision for a space opera it kind of makes sense what he was trying to do. I mean, again, this might be like communism looks good on paper, not not that good in practice. But uh, if we look at the romance scenes between Han and Leia in uh, episode five, it's almost like 30s banter. You know, they're like insulting each other, scruffy nerf herder. It's like the whole Arnold and Helga deck, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, so then great uh, taking into account that the prequels have been about 40 years earlier, in episode two, the romance is based off of, you know, medieval courtship. Uh, now, mm. that's not to say that it was only 40 year gap between medieval times and the 1930s, but it makes sense considering, you know, Padme is this like prestigious fucking uh, Senate seat, you know, princess. And, uh, you know, Leia, she was like the leader of the rebels. She was captured when Han Solo met her. They were like, you know, always on the run from the Empire. Padme wasn't. She was she Tampered. had this fucking giant palace yep. to go back to, like basically ruled this planet. It was it was courtship, you know? It was like medieval times. They're fucking rolling around in the grass, you know, ha ha ha. It's fucking yeah, it's cringy, <laughs> but uh, you know, it makes sense, you know. You can kind of see what he was trying to do there. Not a fan, dude. <laughs> okay. Haters gonna hate. Okay. Me. I, mean, yeah. I, I like Natalie Portman. Don't get me wrong, but some of those love scenes are now, just yeah, like. Okay, I do. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, some of the fucking acting is cheesy, but I do. I will say this: like Hayden Christensen, he was only cast because he was like every thirteen-year-old girl's dream at the time. Also in Goosebumps. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman. I mean. Her, I don't know if she was trying to like mend this into the character, but her monotone voice like this when she's talking in the Senate, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, just, just, <laughs> what, say, what are you freaking doing over here? Yeah. So, episode two, uh, we also see the creation of Boba Fett. Can I, can I intercede before that? Because I, I, I uh, love oh, you. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> ah, here oh. we go. I love your mention of the old medieval courtship. And I think uh, if you think about it, Padme, five years older than Anakin. Yeah. So if you're a young boy, like your ideas, especially a young boy who, I mean, only had a mother for a few years of his life. Yeah. And was so, a slave. Right, right. So your ideas of love and courting someone, I mean, it might come from like, they might seem old like school. Fairy out of day. Right, right, right. Yeah. And you look at, like you said, Han and Leia are on the run. Scruffy nerf herders. I want to. I always want to say like Han is a little older. He seems like the older gentleman. Yeah, you, you're going to play it a little differently. I feel like. If that's, you're, I think that's Lucas's vision. That's hey what man. he was going for this whole time. And we'll touch on this again. Some later. people just don't it's, grasp. They just it, don't you know? get the concept. Love so is over their head. We've so we've got the creation of uh, Boba Fett. Now here's another spiel. So Django Fett, right? He discovers Django's the basis for the clone army. Yep. So if, a pure badass. if Boba Fett, now that was Django's one request from the, uh, the clone, the Camino. Yes. Which were actually based off of fun fact, Spielberg's aliens in uh, close encounters. Ah, Did you know, that was a I little nod, a little shout out. I see it though. Now that you say that. Okay. So his one request was to have a clone whose aging wasn't doubled so that he could raise him as a son. Thus we have Boba Fett. So in the end, you know, spoiler, 
when Mace chops off Django's head and Boba sees this, is he technically watching himself die? This is the second week in a row where you've just blown my mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly asking. <laughs> technically, yes. Technically? Like, if we want to get technical, yes. And also, you know, if we learn anything from the Fett's downfall, how does Boba Fett die in Return of the Jedi? Gets kicked in the Sarlacc pit, doesn't he? Han hits his jetpack with the thing. Yeah. Now, how does, now how does uh, Django die? Gets his head chopped. Windu gets him. My boy but he Mace. also has a malfunction in his jetpack. Yep. So yeah. if we learn anything from the Fed's downfall, it's don't ever use jetpacks <laughs> in combat. <laughs> you know? Jetpacks, not a good idea. Yeah. Might be good to pick up chicks, but not. Is it though? Hey, Miss Money Pussy, why don't you hop on my jetpack? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, also, Your references are out of control. So the clone army scenes was the first time we see uh, motion capture being used on that big of a scale. Another way uh, Lucas was just revolutionizing the industry. Um, also, another spiel, if I may. So in episode two, we see Anakin lose his mother, right? Yes. Now, after this, ha- so what happens after he, after his mom dies in his arms, he, he does what? Kills the sand people. He kills the Tusken Raiders, kills women, children. I slaughtered, slaughtered them. Slaughtered them like animals. So he says all this stuff to Padme. <laughs> when, and this is before that she's, she's told him that she loves him or anything. Padme kind of should have realized Red this, you flag. know? Yeah, a real preview of what marriage is going to be like with O.J. Simpson over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but think about it, man. That's like every woman's dream. Oh, I can change him. I can save him. Oh, uh, well, this is very true. <laughs> you guys are dating the wrong kind of women. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm not talking about the chicks we're dating. I'm just saying there's a lot of chicks out there that have that mentality that and is that even the best if a guy thing? continued, I'm not, I'm not saying it's at all. I'm not condoning it. I'm okay. just just facts okay. of life, my man. So, uh, Mace Windu, we we see him, you know, battling with the uh, scissor saber. <laughs> uh, Rob, Kyber Crystal expert, why is um. Mace Windu's blade, the only one we see as purple. Yes, Kyber Crystal. Uh, Can you put that on your business card? Amethyst, if you will, or Violet. And check this out. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to pronounce this planet Hurricon or Hurricane. Should have done some research. Slurricane, maybe. Who knows? Uh, so anyways, when he asks the Jedi Council for his lightsaber, they send him to this planet and tell him that he has to get it from that planet. The crystals? Uh, yes. Okay. The Kyber crystals. <laughs> upon- I want to go to this planet and get some Kyber crystals. So upon his arrival, he is chased away by the natives, but easily able to gain the upper hand using the force. At one point, he causes one of the natives of the planet to shatter into pieces, but is able to painstakingly reconstruct the individual. As a result of the reconstruction, the natives present him with a violet color kyber crystal that he will finally use to construct the lightsaber that he has seen in his vision. So he has this vision that he gets a purple saber and the Jedi Council is like, yep, but you got to go to Hurikan to get it, motherfucker. Okay. Okay. And now this here's is another a purple saber. 
here's another interesting fact i don't know if you guys knew they measure time in the star wars galaxy if you want to call it that universe based on before and after the destruction of the original death star did you guys know that i did not know that did you know that i did not realize that did you realize that? i did not realize that so yeah because i saw it was like oh his lightsaber was constructed in year 58 bby and i was like what the fuck is that i look it up boom yeah 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 pretty crazy right i didn't know that i didn't know that either. i did not know that you learn something new every day am you, i right boys I, see that's what i'm saying that's the whole point of this podcast you you brought something to our attention i had more questions you answered those questions so now we'll get into episode three revenge of the sith released in may of 2005 revenge of the sith had a smaller budget of 113 mil earned 849 mil during its box office run and it's probably the most well-received of the prequels i would say i mean it's all of our favorite um and the longest lightsaber battle obi-wan and anakin on mustafar classic and even the most screen time for lightsabers in all one through three four five and six with 21 minutes of total lightsaber screen time that's Com- how it should be. Yeah. Compared to the original trilogy, the most screen time in any of those films we saw was uh, seven minutes as the max lightsaber time in in return. Really? Yeah. So favorite parts of three? Obviously the Mustafar battle. Bad. Obviously. Ass, dude. I'm telling you, that is my favorite one. <laughs> the Yoda battle with uh, Dooku. Palpatine? Oh, Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Dooku. Oh, when Anakin chops Dooku's head Dude, with the double saber. Start to finish. That is my favorite Star Wars movie. It's a good one. It's just nonstop action. And you see the Grievous. fall from grace. Dude. And here's another fun fact, guys. The Dooku fight scene is actually the biggest set that they ever had to make for a Star Wars movie to date. Did not know that. I feel like that's the reason they had to make it. What's the rating on? I feel like it's higher and than all the other ones because they cut the man's head off. It wasn't even, uh, what's his name? Christopher Lee? That's the guy, right? I honestly couldn't tell you. Right? Yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, it was one even, of the worst characters. It, was, it wasn't even him that whole fight. He didn't do any of the actual fighting. Worst character. Was, I think we can all agree. It on was that. another guy, and they CGI'd his head on that I whole think, fight. I think we can agree. Christopher Lee, he just... All right, well, like, what are your issues with Dooku? Uh, one, he's got the stupidest lightsaber of all time, right? <laughs> the limp dick one. Yeah. <laughs> bent, the bent dick lightsaber. Broken dick lightsaber. He's got... BDL. He just looks like... He just does not look like he fits in oh, the no. Star Wars universe, right? Yeah. Like, when he's fighting, he just doesn't... It's like, have you ever seen that meme of Michael Sarah? That's like, it looks like Michael Sarah just got pushed on the set one day and just didn't really want to act, but just went along with it because he was too scared <laughs> to get out of it. That's like Christopher Lee in Star Wars. It's like he just doesn't belong. It, it doesn't make sense. You Maybe know, Palpatine would want to take this old dude to be his apprentice. Like yeah. It. I, I, I don't get it, honestly. Maybe, you know, he owed Christopher Lee a favor, George Lucas. Well, or maybe he brought him on in that same kind of thing, like, oh, we need some old famous guy to hold it down for us. It kind <laughs> of backfired don't on don't know, him. yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially when you already got Samuel L. Jackson, Hayden Christensen. Which is, is, isn't it kind of weird to think of, of Samuel L. Jackson in the Star Wars movies? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? it is, but at the same time, he he did a good job. Yeah. Badass. Always killing it, dude. Literally. Also, some (laughs) other notable scenes in uh, episode three. We see uh, this is one of, I 
think, if I'm not mistaken, the only time we see Yoda and Chewbacca together after Order Yoda, 66. Yoda does mention, like, I'll see you, something like that. Something. But this is one of the only times in the saga we see them together. Yeah. This is um, true. Yeah. So we've got the Jedi Purge. Fucking 66. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Um, we've got the Battle of Kashyyyk. Uh, which is actually another fun fact and are just Google it this week. Um, if you haven't seen this, Google, just go on YouTube and uh, look just up. Just in time for the holidays, by the way. Yeah, just in time for the holidays. Christmas special, uh, 1978. So this was before Empire, after A New Hope. Uh, look up the Christmas special. This is uh, roughly hour 40 minutes. And the whole premise is it's got all of the original cast. And the whole premise is they have to get Chewbacca back to his home planet of Kashek for Life Day, which is like their Christmas. And I'd say there's about 30 minutes of just Chewbacca <laughs> and his family talking to each other with no subtitles. So it's just <laughs> Wookiees moaning at each other for 30 minutes. And there's a scene in there which Lucas, being a man ahead of his time, Chewbacca's dad goes into a VR and oh, it's great. Diane Carroll is his fantasy and it's <laughs> like he's watching a porn of her. Please just Google and it. So you people. just have to just Google it. But anyways, the um, Kashyyyk, that's what they base. They use the Christmas special to uh, base their set design for the Battle of Kashyyyk. And, uh, you know, Badass, right? It's the first time we see mass amounts of Wookiees. First time we see mass amounts of green. I mean, other than Naboo, like. Yeah. So uh, going back to the Jedi Purge, you know, that montage of like all the planets in the Jedi Purge, how it's like super fast, just shows all of them being murked all over the galaxy. So that was one of the first elements to be created in episode three when they started making it. And it took over a year to come up with the concept and design for each planet and each way the different Jedi were, were going to be killed. And this was all condensed into roughly a three-minute montage. Which is crazy. And then if you go back through and play like Battlefront 2 on the old PlayStation 2, like these worlds are really laid out, developed like, hey, yeah. that's mind-blowing. Kudos, kudos to those effects designers. Yeah. Have you played the new one at all? No. I have not. I heard it's pretty freaking good, but I haven't... Uh I haven't taken the time to check it out, you know? So another one of uh, our fun facts that I came across in this research, Ewan McGregor, how do we feel about him as Obi-Wan? I love the guy. You can put him in anything. I, I saw the <laughs> men. If you have not seen it, go ahead and watch The Men Who Stare at Goats and get oh, back to me. love that. Love the book. Did you see the movie, though? Yeah. All right, all right. Well, we have another so, discussion for another day. Oh, yeah. That, I, but I love Ewan yeah. McGregor. So. Clooney? Ooh. Yeah, so uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, his uncle was actually in the original Star Wars trilogy. Do we know who he was? Motherfuck. You're going to say it. I'm going to be pissed because I can't think of it off the top of my head. Oh, Alec Guinness. No. Oh. <laughs> he was, uh, Wedge. Alec Guinness. Wedge. Wedge Antilles. Yeah, Wedge Antilles. No wow, kidding. fuck out of here. Kind of cool, right? That's fun fact. You learn something every day from this podcast. So, you know, also in uh, episode three, we've got Adam's favorite. We got the man behind the mask. Anakin's fall from grace. And the infamous no when uh no. He, yeah when he finds out Padme's dead a lot of people hated this in the in the people versus George Lucas like one of the guys was saying like this is the cheesiest scene in all of the fucking 
prequels. I really don't think so, you know? It's a fucking space opera. Is this any more cheesy than when Luke finds out Vader's his father? He says, That's impossible! <laughs> Is it any worse than that? Dude, all I'm saying is like, what do you want? I don't think that part's that cheesy to this day. Uh, yeah, but so what do you want Vader to do when he finds out that Padme, the person he, he cares about most wife. in this world, murked his wife? Of course he's he going to OJ on her. Yeah. Dude. I mean, not necessarily OJ, but technically. If the glove fit, you got to quit. Hey, Haas and I skipped school that day to go see this movie and we we were dumbasses this was our first mistake we got the giant size popcorn the giant size drinks because they were running a deal always a mistake always a mistake especially when you're hanging out with us dude i had to piss so bad that whole movie like i had tears coming down my face when they started putting vader together not only because I had to piss, but I mean, that's one of the most beautiful scenes, man. When you see through, you know, they're putting a the helmet he on, you see through his eyes the for, for the first time and like, brutal. They're, they're like screwing his helmet on and stuff and takes that first breath. If that doesn't give you goosebumps, you have no soul. Yeah, I get those goosebumps every time. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, not, I mean, like I said, the dude just murked his wife. Like, how else are you going to react? Yeah. Like, what do you want him to do? Fucking grab his like helmet? And like, you know, like, he's a robot now. Yeah. Like. So, well, also, you know, I was actually watching that scene earlier this week. I saw that and immediately was like, wow, this is cheesy as fuck. But then I thought about it. He just got robotic legs put on. He probably didn't know how to use them. Fine arms. Yeah, man. Like, so he's like, not only getting used to this new robotic body that he's in, but he's also just found out that this motherfucker they just basically dedicated his whole life to just murked his fucking I mean, love of his life. If you think about it, mother of his children, his life just got twist turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute <laughs> if the two of you could sit right there. That's really all I had. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had a little rhyme to go. I with thought you that. had a spiel. Yeah, no spiel. I'll get to my spiel in a bit. Okay, so end of episode three, you know, we've got the conclusion of the prequels. We'll get into uh, fan theory. Um, you know, this was uh, requested by one John McKelvey from, hailing from Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out, John. Is this the guy in our league? Yeah. Yes. We're not answering any of his fucking questions. <laughs> uh, Andrew for Prez, dude. So it's not a question. So You tell this man to go fuck himself. Edit that out. So Jar Jar is actually a powerful Sith Lord theory. Are we familiar? Everybody's heard this Everybody's one. Everybody's heard the rumblings. So Jar Jar, he uses Jedi mind tricks when talking. You can see him moving his hands when he's talking to Padme. Palpatine, anybody else that he talks to, he's always moving his hands through crucial plot points in the films. Um, he acts like an idiot to fool the Jedi, you know, classic Lucas. He's also seen mocking Qui-Gon in the first scene where we meet Anakin, sticks his tongue out at him mm. in Watto's shop. This is showing Anakin subconsciously that it's okay to mock and hate Jedi. He's planting these little seeds in Anakin. Jar Jar's the first one to like nudge him and tell him basically that Padme's hot when they get Back to Coruscant. In episode two, he's, you know, trying to change Anakin's feelings, like coax him to fall in love with Padme. You know, he Anakin and Obi-Wan come back. And what do they say? Like Anakin says, you know, he says to Obi-Wan, I've thought about her every moment from the time we've left. And she acted like she, she did barely even knew me. And then oh, who intervenes and says, no, she was very excited Jar Jar and uh, Jar Jar is also from the same planet of Naboo as Palpatine. So, you know, could they be co-conspirators? Mm, they seem together a lot. 
And oh, Jar Jar also hmm, convinces uh, Padme to let him take over her spot at the Senate while she goes back and is fucking kerboinkin Anakin. <laughs> and then uh, he convinces the entire Senate to give Palpatine power. I mean, Jar Jar is basically starts off as this fun loving, funny character whose eventual convincing, you know, basically destroys the whole Republic. Oh, are you buying this theory or is this coming out of left field? Now, okay, here's what I think. Here's is my that whole your spiel. sister out there in left field? Now, naked? I think... I think she's naked. I think Lucas had this plan because just like with Yoda, he says, you know, Yoda was a character who's insignificant, but then actually is like super important. And Yoda's like super annoying, you know, at first when we first meet him. Whoa, but then, whoa. He's portrayed to be. I don't think he is. He was very well received. I'm saying, you know, he's like banging on R2. He's going through Luke's food um, when you first meet him. And Luke doesn't know that he's the Jedi Master. Yeah, but I think he's kind of trying to like throw him off, you know, obviously. You're proving my point even more. Yeah. Yeah. So Jar Jar is doing the same thing. He's seen as this fucking bumbling idiot who's been banished from his own home. Uh, Also, why was he banished? (laughs) Just look at the guy, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think he was just so hated and disliked after the premiere of Phantom that Lucas was like, okay, you know, let me do some tinkering and rewrite this and just didn't go through with his uh, plot. I mean, obviously he liked the character enough to keep him around. But barely. In diminishing role. I mean, yeah. He, How mind blowing are you going to be if he shows up in this next one? <laughs> As the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. He's Snoke, dude. I fucking. No, he is like the hope. Lord in charge of Snoke. Yeah. Snoke like, dies, and then he's like, Misa Jar Jar So in episode nine, Jar Jar is the fucking mastermind behind it all. And then that's the end of the saga. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would. <laughs> My childhood would be ruined. I that would like. no. That would be the the greatest thing of all time, dude. That's just the fucking. That's basically George Lucas in a roundabout way selling to Disney and what then if he giving wrote everybody the, the goat from fucking <laughs> waiting. That's fucking. That's what he just did. So now uh, we'll take a look at Mike Climo's ring theory. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. So this is a very interesting theory. Uh, if you want to, it's about nine pages long, which I've tried to do is condense it for our loyal legion of listeners, and I'll try to sum it up. But if you want more on this, I mean, definitely worth a read. Um, just go to StarWarsRingTheory.com. And this kind of shows how Lucas was uh, super ahead of his time and had a much bigger vision for Star Wars than Uh, Most people seem to even realize or are even able to grasp. In the last episode, we discussed Joseph Campbell and his studies on mythology as a big role in George Lucas's influence in character and plot development in creating the original trilogy. What he used to uh, tie them together and write the prequels is known as ring theory or chiastic structure. And this is a very old form of a narrative evident in a lot of mythology, uh, the Bible. We have it in the Iliad, the Odyssey. And I mean, to sum it up, uh, simply think of JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. <laughs> so this follows the simple pattern of ABC and CBA. See how that works? This works the same way in Star Wars. Uh, Not only do the movies correlate that way, but each one mirrors and parallels the former, which is a mindfuck. 
Uh, so this is what I'll try to explain. So we have parallelism and inverted parallels. So we'll, we'll go ahead and look at the parallels of each film first. Hope aligns with Phantom Menace in that uh, Luke travels away from his home. He's taken under Obi-Wan's wing and uh, sees his master struck down by Darth Vader. And Luke also blows up the Death Star. So in Phantom, Anakin is taken from his home, Tatooine, taken under Qui-Gon's wing. And Obi-Wan sees Qui-Gon, great Jedi master, struck down. Also, Anakin blows up the uh, main ship, which uh, leads to the downfall of the droid army. So Empire parallels with clones in that uh, both these movies have pivotal points where we have the uh, Vader reveal and uh, Anakin's descent begins, and we have the death of Anakin's mother. Both Anakin and Luke lose a right arm. Luke loses his right hand, Anakin his right arm. And, you know, characters we usually see together are split apart for much of this film. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, who are together in almost all the trilogy, are split apart in clones, and Luke and all his friends who are together in a lot of the trilogy are split apart in Empire. Mm. So Return parallels with Revenge in that Anakin and Obi-Wan have to uh, rescue Palpatine in the opening act. Luke and his gang rescue Han in the opening act. Uh, you know, we've got green planets where clones and Wookiees are fighting the Separatists uh, in Revenge. And we've got... Uh, Ewoks and Rebels fighting uh, the Galactic Empire in return. And then each one ends with uh, eternal uh, moral dilemmas with uh, main characters. You know, Luke is deciding, you know, he's like when he's striking down after he cuts off Vader's hand, he's like, you know, I, I'm not going to join the dark side. I'm not going to kill my dad. I'm not going to give in to the Emperor's wishes. And um, same thing in revenge we've got anakin who is feeling the same immoral struggle not only do these films parallel there is also inverted parallels so this would be uh menace lines up with return in that the opening of menace obi-wan and qui-gon are going to rescue the queen opening of return r2 and c3po are going to rescue han so that's mirrored um, also, both contain intense chase scenes as a pivotal point in the film. Think of the speeder bikes in um, Return. Return and the pod race in Menace. And in the final scenes, you have the Gungans joining the Naboo to defeat the droid army. The final scenes of Return, we have the Ewoks joining the Rebels to defeat the Galactic Empire. Now, Clones and Empire, a little different, but still inverted parallelism. Um, so clones opening scene is Naboo cruise ship arriving in the skyscrapers surrounded by clouds, which is where empire ends in cloud city. Great fucking town. Hell of a town. And you know, Shout clones, out to my boy Lando cloud city clones ends in the uh, barren wasteland where, uh, the droid separatist army is and, uh, empire begins in the barren wasteland moon of Hoth. So on a macro level of the whole story, Clones is descending, uh, literally in the story. This is when Anakin's descent starts. Uh, 
the death of his mother. Start to see his transition to yeah. darker clothing. And, you know, it ends when he marries Padme, a forbidden love, so to speak. Downhill from there, brother. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Empire is ascending in that, uh, you know, Luke is being trained by one of the greatest Jedi masters. Uh, he's becoming more knowledgeable. I mean, yeah, it ends on a downer. Uh, he gets his hand cut off, finds out Vader is his father, but, you know, he's gaining more knowledge, more experience, and it's still seen as ascending. Revenge aligns with hope in that um, at this uh, macro descent is happening in clones, it continues through Sith and ultimately ends in tragedy on Mustafar, which George Lucas says is his depiction of hell. So this is sort of like uh, Dante's Inferno, whereas he's going down and then in the second act, he ascends up. And uh, the ascent starts in A New Hope um, as we have this iconic scene of Obi-Wan finding Luke, who's been knocked out by the Tusken Raiders, whereas three ends with the Emperor finding Vader in the exact same way. Go back and look at these scenes. They are basically shot for shot. And so this makes the entire saga, one through six, connected in a giant unified ring consisting of the hero's journey. So not only do we have this hero's journey throughout the entire saga, but there's also circles within circles. So these are apparent in each trilogy and in each film. So, you know, the hero's journey, this is what Campbell called the uh, mythical archetype that George Lucas would uh, use for his formula. This consists of uh, departure, hero's venture away from home, transformation, hero facing a great ordeal, and then return. He comes back home as a changed person. Uh, he's got, he gets a reward. He has wisdom. Um, this is, you know, this is the story of human life. This is why it appears and is retold throughout history. It's ingrained in us. It's human nature, mm. you know? So not only does each trilogy have this on a macro level, but each film has this on a micro level. So as an example, uh, New Hope, Luke ventures from Tatooine to find his place in the world. He's tested, you know, he saves the princess. He, he blows up the Death Star despite the odds. And then three, um, they are rewarded as heroes upon returning. And then look at the original trilogy. You know, we've got episode four, Luke traveling away from Tatooine. Episode five, he's trained, tested by Yoda. And then episode six, you know, the rebels defeat the Empire and he has the knowledge of immortality, which is seen through Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Yoda in the end. Hmm. So these circles within circles are also meant to be reflexive of the whole history repeats itself spiel. Whereas, you know, the OG drew inspiration from World War II, while the prequels have scenes that are reflexive of Vietnam. Oh, hell yeah, brother. You know, we got we got the clones coming down in helicopters with Yoda, getting real fucking badass, just murking everybody left and right. So, you know, um, not only do they inlign these ways, but uh, each trilogy tells the hero's journey as uh, the original. These are, these are the things you should do. And the prequels, these are a tragedy. These are the things you shouldn't do. So, you know... The prequels tell a tragic hero's journey. Anakin travels away from Tatooine. Um, Anakin is tested by the Jedi Council and tempted by Padme, you know, falling in love. And then Anakin turns to the dark side. He's defeated by Obi-Wan and he ends up losing what he is trying to save, you know, what he cares about most in the world. Both are similar journeys, but with different subjects. 
and uh, Dante, you know him from the Inferno. Um, he had visions of Beatrice, an angel, which, you know, Anakin's Beatrice is Padme. It's the thing that he wants the most, which eventually destroys him. And uh, looking at this on a macro level, one through six is really, it's really the journey of Anakin. You know, we see his heroic journey. Uh, we see his descent into evil. And then we see his redemption when he sacrifices himself for his own son in return. And this is where I think George Lucas was like ahead of his time as well. George Lucas is a true bro. Hear me out on this. Okay. Now let's hear your this is, spiel. Yeah, this is your spiel. This is my spiel. Okay. The man has boots, flannel, and a beard, right? Hipster. <laughs> hipster. All right, check whoa, this whoa. out. Whoa, whoa. He was hipster before there was hipsters, though. Let's be honest. Check this out, though. Well. Here's my spiel. Hear me out. <clears throat> Here, every, every character in the saga has a bro. <sighs> Luke Skywalker has Obi-Wan. Han Solo has Chewie. Chewie. R2-D2 has C-3PO. <clears throat> you go back to the prequels. Anakin, or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, everybody's got a bro. And the second there's a woman that comes between the bros, That's shit goes to hell up. in a handbasket. Because, check it, initially, Luke is like, oh, I like Leia. I want to take her to the Tashi station and do some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show her my power converter. And, you know, she gives him the kiss, and then he ends up losing his bro. Obi-Wan dies when they're trying to escape and everything. Coincidence? This kid. I, I don't think, think so. I don't think so. You look at Empire. Han starts to develop feelings for Leia. The Millennium Falcon, that's his original girl, by the way. Start, you know, just starts having problems around the asteroid. Shit goes to hell in a handbasket. Dude ends up getting frozen solid. All for some frozen solid. Just saying. Women are cold, man. I think it's a metaphor for his heart being frozen. Really. So is that what Lucas is telling us here? Because think about it. Within the trilogies, you have... So in the prequels, you got Anakin and Padme. And he's saying, look, if Anakin had just not given into his feelings and just stayed on his path as a Jedi being celibate, um, he would have not fallen to the dark side right, and not ultimately like died you know his whole desire was to save padme if he's not in love with padme he doesn't go as rob pointed out he doesn't go and merc mace windu so don't so lucas in the prequels is telling us you know don't chase those feelings he's saying bros before hoes he's saying these hoes ain't loyal <laughs> and in the original trilogy he's saying hey you know don't give in to those feelings because you could wind up taking out with your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Here's and a fun fact. You made out with your sister. And, I mean, you look at Force Awakens, dude. Finn, newly freed, able to go out and do what he wants, and then he falls for this girl, Ray. Hey, can you blame the guy? Can you blame the guy? George Lucas, the OG bro. Okay, so Adam's whole spiel. George Lucas, OG bro. The central point of Star Wars, one through six. What do we say? It's, of course, the Force. You know, balance. Midi-chlorians. Um, immortality. Kyber um, crystals. Yes, which is... Uh, okay. <laughs> we just keep naming. No, here's my whole, whole <laughs> spiel with that, though. So, Anakin is supposed to be the chosen one to bring balance to the Force, right? Right. Unless that prophecy but has been misread. No, no, no. But what we know from the prequels is that a Sith Lord has not existed for like decades right and that's all we do know so technically there's there's no need for balance. okay okay so when they say you know he's supposed to bring balance to the force isn't that of that is what he did that's true he fucking had the rise of the sith that's true which hey 
black and white, fucking good, good and, and bad. Evil, yep. That's Red bringing balance. You'd think these Jedis would be smarter than that. They'd be like, hey, look, Shit, we don't want balance. Things are going great now. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, that's the central point. And immortality. So this is revealed at the end of three, episode three, as Yoda tells Obi-Wan Qui-Gon, who we are introduced to in episode one, and is responsible for Anakin being trained, has discovered this, you know, path to immortality. And in episode six, Anakin and Yoda and Obi-Wan are seen. So this is really bringing it full circle. And in the Sandlot, Babe Ruth is seen saying, (laughs) heroes get remembered, legends never die. Some lady even signed it, Baby Ruth. So George Lucas says in a behind the scenes clip from episode one, he says the intent is for films to be like poetry where each line rhymes. Each film is set up to rhyme, so to speak, both in story and visual. So not only do the scenes and characters mirror each other, which if you go to starwarsringtheory.com, you can see he's pulled all of the scenes that mirror each other which is insane whereas in the original trilogies we might have a left pan in the prequels that same scene that's mirrored it's a right pan Hmm. uh yeah really crazy shit like he's got crazy breakdowns whereas like so with the uh reverse parallelism in episode one anakin when we first are introduced to 3po he does what he puts in his right eye at that very same time mark in Return, which is the reverse per- parallelism of episode one, 3PO's eye is pulled out by, remember when he's his eyes pulled out in return at Jabba's palace? <laughs> crazy, right? Exact mirror of that. So You're fucking crazy for that one, boy. <laughs> so yeah, not only do the scenes and characters mirror each other, but the music does as well. So in the ending of episode one, the music we hear, when that's played an octave lower, becomes the emperor's theme. So, you know, it's... Get it's, the fuck. Yeah, yeah. The funeral you're talking? No, no, no. Not the funeral. Episode one. When it's the boss Nass holds up oh, the fucking ball. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it, that music, when played an octave lower, is the emperor's theme. And if we think about episode one... The emperor is really the only one with a smile on his face in that ending scene. He's the only one who's who got what he really wanted. His whole political scheme is starting to fall into place. His whole spiel, you know. Anakin's theme, when switched to only minor, becomes the Imperial March. The shit blew my fucking mind. The craziest one. Even the love scene for Padme and Anakin is a mixture of Luke and Leia's theme from the original trilogy. So they begin as a single unit and then they're divided into equal parts. And you know, this just proves John Williams to be one of the greatest mind fuckers of all time. <laughs> so I want to read this bit on Luke and Leia and this will eventually, you know, take us into our last spiel and our conclusion. Um, and, and this is from the prequel strike back ending in a similar vein to our last episode on the topic of religion. So we've got, um, Anakin is born of a virgin mother. You know, he's born a, of the Force. Naboo is the is a, is a paradise. You know, it's uh, that's how it's it's um, visually presented. Presented, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's based off of Italy. Um, 
This is a this is a paradise where Anakin falls in love with Padme, a forbidden love, so to speak, a temptation, if you will. Mm. There's even a scene in Episode Two where what's he doing with the Force? He's picking up fruit and Ooh. feeding it to her. Tempted by the fruit of another. <laughs> yep. So this paradise, this is where Luke and Leia are conceived, and um, in the prequels which remember is a tale of what not to do. Everyone is constantly going against the grain. We've got Qui-Gon going against the council. We've got Obi-Wan constantly questioning Qui-Gon, etc. Anakin is taken from his mother by the Jedi who believe him to be the chosen one and feel that training him is best. So just like all the other younglings they take away from their families to train however we end with uh, obi-wan and yoda two of the greatest jedi masters of all time and they have luke and leia these are anakin who was born of the forest they're his offspring these are these could be the greatest jedi and uh what do they do with them they give them to families one little side spiel on that. Luke definitely got the short end of the stick. <laughs> right? We're going to give Leia to a fucking king and queen to be raised in royalty. Luke, ow, he just sent him to to be raised by Uncle fucking Owen. Well, wasn't that his actual family, though? That was uh, Anakin's uh, stepbrother. Yeah. <laughs> so, not really. <laughs> okay. So, I think this proves like. Again, they're going against the grain. They don't train these great Jedi because they want that. They say, you know, no, it's best for them to be raised by families. And I think, you know, that's what Star Wars is all about. It's all about family. It is now. Thanks, Disney. (laughs) Going off of that, do you guys really think that Lucas got a fair deal and his his criticism was warranted with the creation of episodes one, two, and three? What are Uh, your thoughts I got a little spiel here we can end on if you want, but I'll let you guys say your two cents first. I've got got a few more things, then we can end on your spiel. But I I do want to hear your thoughts. Like, do you think George Lucas's criticism was warranted? I think most critics are cynical assholes. I got to agree, man. I think it's just part of the story. And who are we to criticize the author? If you don't like it, go write your own damn movies. Apparently, Disney will take all comers. (laughs) That's true. Now... If, if uh, you've seen the documentary, The People vs. George Lucas, um, you know, he did do kind of a dick move in, uh, in that, you know, 97, he changed the originals uh, for good and he never released the originals again. You know, the copies that were out there are the only ones that remain. He went back through, he said he scrubbed all the negatives, enhanced them, put in his CGI, put in Greedo shooting first and missing. And Told you. in a Lucasfilm statement, they said the originals, you know, they're all, they cannot ever be released again. Like we've, they're basically erased by doing the new thing, which, you know, that's kind of highly debatable. You know, when the fans who made you what you are, are, you know, that demanding of them, it's just like, you know, release the new ones and the old ones. Like, I know that. Pro choice. Yeah. Like George Lucas is saying, like, these are how he really intended them to be. He just didn't have the budget and stuff. But, you know, if we've learned anything from our previous episodes on directors and movies who had to operate off of limited resources and a limited budget, it's that working with what you have is what leads to that creativity, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, George Lucas working with what he had in the time constraints that he had and being fucking under over budget and behind schedule that's what led to 
the original trilogy gaining an Oscar and he's going to change that for good and say, you know, no, you can't have these anymore and for pretend like they didn't happen. Seconds, <laughs> yeah. like. And even like he went on to oppose the colorization of black and white films in 1998 or 88 uh, in Congress due to their cultural significance. So he's going to say that black and white films are so culturally significant that we cannot colorize them but he's going to go ahead and change all his films and not release the originals ever, even though all of his fans who made him what he is demand them. And I'm um, just glad I got the uh, original trilogy on VHS original, but you know, I heard Laserdisc is the, uh, the option to go with uh, for the best quality. I heard beta, (laughs) you know, Lucas, he's the mastermind behind this entire universe. After the release of the prequels, I think he was treated like very unfairly by all the generation Xers out there. And he's, he's basically, he was like bullied into by his own fans into just saying, you know, fuck it. I'm washing my hands of the whole situation. And, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of like a catch 22 because when you think about it, you know, the people are going to get pissed that he sold to Disney, but those same people are the same ones that talked massive shit, shit about yep, him making yep, the prequels. Yep. And you can't really blame him for selling the franchise to Disney for $4 billion uh, after the way he was treated by his own fans. You know, I mean, I definitely would have done that. Yep. And Francis Ford Coppola, he said in, um, in an interview, he commented on, you know, after Star Wars came out, Lucas never went on to direct another film. He became a producer uh, yeah. because Star Wars was so successful. You know, he produced Indiana Jones. He produced the rest of the Star Wars films. Yeah, he wrote the prequels. But other than that, he didn't direct any other movies. And we were deprived from that because of the success of Star Wars and and Lucas becoming that corporation that he hated so much and spent his whole career trying to get away from. Now, I don't know if I would say necessarily deprived because he still had a pretty major hand in the whole entire spectrum of the movies, including Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah, those, definitely none that. None of those would be the same they were if it wasn't for if him. If it wasn't for Lucas, yeah. But he, didn't, he never, you know, just got to fucking direct a movie after star wars so what's your whole spiel there rob so my whole spiel is was watching a little documentary called the people versus george lucas relating entirely to what we've just been talking about about people's outrage against the one two and three episodes that adam loves so much now this whole movie is all these critics super fans you know those people that go to comic-con and like ridiculous outfits all basically just voicing their opinion on how much they hate one through three and you know my whole spiel on this is we got george lucas the man behind the mask if you will the man behind the man behind the mask yeah the man behind the curtain Uh, wizard of uh, oz we're gonna get to that later in the spiel so this guy creates the entire fucking star wars universe Mm -hmm. everything one Mm -hmm. through six and even further in my opinion but you're going to sit here and berate a guy for like Jar Jar Binks, a fucking no name character. One fucking like one guy. Aspect. Yeah. And then you're going to talk about, 
Oh, Han shot first. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like you have like many of these people in this film have like dedicated their entire life. So like, Oh, I'm so obsessed with star Wars. I'm the biggest star Wars fan. Well, if you're the biggest fucking star Wars fan, then have some fucking balls. Show some respect for the man. This guy wrote the whole goddamn universe movies made the whole universe out of his mind. And you're going to fucking sit here and talk shit on him on camera because Oh, there's one little part that you didn't like because it's not how it was when you grew up as a kid. Go fuck yourself. Is George Lucas like the god, like the Star Wars god? Technically, yes. No, Holy not shit. technically, yes. And then <laughs> what I want to say. It's the fucking Stan Lee of Star Wars. If we really think about it, is George Lucas Anakin? Yes. Ooh. He's even said that in interviews. George Lucas is Darth Vader. In the I, end, think about it. Everything he loved so much and created was taken away from taken him. away from him. And I think that goes off to In what Adam life. was saying. His whole spiel about bros before hoes, you know, Lucas, when Return came out, Lucas said, you know, I'm taking a break from Star Wars. He just had a daughter. He said, I want to, you know, be a family man. I want to take some time off, you know, start start my family, you know, really pay a lot of attention to that. And as Star Wars Episode Six was released, um, Lucas finalized his divorce. So, you know, he was going through a lot of, of, of troubles. And I think that went a lot into his writing. Um, Definitely. Episodes 1, 2, and 3. 100%. Is Adam's whole spiel, you know, bros before hoes. Lucas was like, you know. I just got to get back to my roots with this one. There's no reason why any of these people should be bitching about the stuff they're bitching about in that movie. That shit kind of pissed me off. Even though I will say I am one of the people that likes the uh, older movies better, but still I'm not going to sit here and say one through three were fucking garbage or bullshit like they were saying. Yeah. So now with uh, with old J.J. Abrams and uh, Rain Johnson at the helm, how do we think this whole ring theory will play out? Well, I mean, this goes on. This goes on. So we'll we'll get into this more next week. But um, like we were talking about with the generational gaps. So we were all kids when we saw the originals and when the prequels came out. Like uh, a lot of people were saying, you're going to see another generation, kids that grew up on the prequels, hating the sequels, which is a testament to you, and those are some of the worst ones, right? I'm not saying they're... Okay, maybe it goes into your ring theory. Correct me if I'm wrong. Force Awakens is a blatant ripoff of A New Hope. Blatant. But as we just saw, each one in its own Phantom self Menace is, is not the same a story. Rip. Right, right. But I mean, it's <laughs> we can talk for hours about we this. We could, story. and we will next week. All I'm saying is we're going to see The Last Jedi tomorrow if it is a blatant ripoff of Empire. <sighs> it's not going to be a ripoff. Man. Okay. All right. Well, so we'll see. We'll it. see. We'll see. Next week, we'll see. Uh, Dude, any, any thoughts? What do we think we're going to see? What do we hope to see in Last Jedi? Just before we see it, let's get this on record. I'm going to say it. I think similar to the scene where Vader sacrifices himself to save Luke, we're going to see Kylo Ren sacrifice himself to save Rey. She's going to end up defeating. So would you say Rey and Kylo are related some way? They got Luke it. is their father. No, but we know Han Solo is Kylo yeah. Ren's father. Hey, maybe Luke really did bang his sister. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, oh, twist. So <laughs> directed this one. <laughs> so, uh, wow. What was that guy's name? Yeah, Snoke. Yeah, I think she's going to fucking work that. Mm, this early? Uh, I think they're going to wait on him. 
Okay, there's at least going to be a badass fight involving them. It's gonna. He's gonna cut off her hand. For I do. No, no, no. My one hope, though, is that <sighs> not exactly. It's just going to be similar. You watch it's going to be a mirror. Ah, mirror. It's not a blade rip. No planet. Ah, ah, dude, there's just similarities, bro. So I've seen a lot of fan videos about how Luke Mark Hamill's talking shit on the Disney Star Wars. I have heard this too. I really hope that they this this is just my one hope. Like they can do anything. They could fucking make Ray the fucking bad guy. They could fucking make Kylo the good guy. Whatever. But <laughs> whatever. About uh, time. I really hope About? they don't make Luke look like a fucking bitch. There's no way they can. Ugh. Luke Skywalker. You never know. I really hope they don't. Luke Star. So you know, yeah. So with old old JJ at the helm to direct, I think and nine, right? Do you think they'll play into the whole ring theory? And do you think it'll hash out with another trilogy in the mix? Oh God. So with three, do you think they're going to make another trilogy? I mean, Disney has said they're going to fucking gonna make as many as they can. Work, yeah. Man. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, tune in next week to. Uh, find out all about this we're going to do research into uh the upcoming trilogy uh we'll talk a little bit about rogue one and you know just disney taking over the franchise as a whole but yeah on that one um we're out of here um right and early movie tomorrow yep last jedi tomorrow boys once Anything again yeah thank you so much for up. listening and uh Hit us up on uh, the old Gmail, podcast from outer space at gmail.com. We got the Instagram going at podcast from outer space. Still got those stickers going, so just shoot us that self addressed envelope and we got some stickers coming your way free of charge. I would like to uh, <coughs> wish our Legion of listeners a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and happy a Happy New Year. New Year. Oh, yeah, Keep I did. The change, I was, filthy animals. I forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah, so we're. We will not be releasing one next week due to the holidays. We'll be talking to you guys to ring in the new year uh, with the new one. So, you know, go see Last Jedi over uh, Christmas break um, because we're definitely going to spoil that (laughs) on the next episode and uh, get in what we hope to see in episode nine. Um, Fan theories, you know, we'll talk about them. Yeah, thanks again for listening. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. So long and thanks for all the fish, 2017. Hell of a year.